This is Southeast Asia Crossroads, an educational podcast from the Center for Southeast Asian Studies at Northern Illinois University. From music to maps, money and modernity, this is where ideas come to life. Welcome to another edition of Southeast Asia Crossroads. Uh, I'm Eric Jones, and with me is a familiar voice in studio. Aganjana, hello. Hello. I'm wearing a different hat today. Yeah, the table. I know you can't tell from the podcast. <laughs> it's a lovely hat. Yeah, they were, let's, let's make something <laughs> Thank up. Thank yeah. you. It's fantastic. And um, yeah, the tables have turned a bit. Uh, um, and uh, we're going to we're gonna interview our friend Ganjana. And Ganjana's brought a, uh, one of her great colleagues from yes, World Languages. Do you because if I interview myself, I sound like a crazy person. <laughs> So for that, I've recruited, um, coerced, uh, my dear friend and colleague, Laura Viladel. She is an assistant professor of Spanish, and she is a translation specialist. In fact, her book just came out. Oh, let's get and a plug in Yes, there. let's get a plug what's in there. What's your book called, Laura? Yeah, what's this book? <laughs> well, it's, it's about censorship in Spain in 1960s and 70s, um, and, you know, the oppression of Catalan publishers and translations into Catalan. So, yeah, it just came out this May, and it I'm very happy. It <laughs> has an awesome cover. Again, you can't tell that from <laughs> the <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> well, we have good expertise lined up then with uh, with Laura and our guest, Ganjana, because we're going to be talking about all those interstices of translation and politics and power. Um, we just heard a great talk um, called from Professor Teporiruk, Beyond Between the Lines, Identity and Belonging in the Thai Translation of the Letter for Black Lives. Um, so for our listeners who should know, but maybe not, what is the Letter for Black Lives? The Letter for Black Lives is a public resource. So it originally was in English. It was created in 2016 as a reaction to the death of Philando Castile in Minnesota. And then it was translated into just predominantly Asian languages in 2016. Again, when George Floyd uh, killing happened, we were called back as volunteer translators to create another version in 2020. So I talked about the 2020 version today. Say a bit about why um, why it was only translated mostly in Asian language. That's kind of an interesting. It was just, it's just this global document, right, that's available. Right. It was a public Google Docs document. The creator, a Chinese ethnographer, um, Christina Xu, she wanted a tool for Asian Americans to be able to use in discussing Black Lives Matter issues with our family because she knew it was going to come up in the news or maybe there's going to be some kind of side remarks by family members or community members that people wanted to um, have the language, you know, to deal with it, right? So she's thinking about the audience of Asian Americans who may or may not have proficiency in their home language enough to discuss like politically nuanced topics like black um, oh, black okay. lives matter and so okay let's find people who can give these tools to these community members so that's why it was predominantly asian but then in 2020 it actually got translated into non-asian languages so uh, laura and i were just looking at the spanish translation mm -hmm. and that's very interesting there's some uh, choices bold choices in there as well. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. So Laura, do you, do you have anything to add like about the, um, was there a discussion about among um, Spanish language translators about th getting this material out or? Well, one of the things that is really interesting for me and from the talk of Ganjana was like the idea, the idea of like Thainess that she called. And she said that um, Christina Shoes actually wanted to make the Asian Americans you know, um, comfortable with the text, but like then they had this problem, right? Is it gonna be just for Thai people in the U.S. or it's gonna be outside? So I think that this is very, very interesting. If you would like to speak of more about this, yeah, absolutely. And the audience, you know, the the intended audience was was people's own family members, whether they were Thai, Chinese, Cambodian, Lao. Um, but then, especially in the 2020 version, when Black Lives Matter was you know, four years in, right, from, from 2016, and people knew what it was, we knew that the news stories is beyond just U.S. news sources. So how do we account for that widening of the audience? It's not just for our family. Like, the letter starts with, mom, dad, aunts, uncles, grandma, right, and family, but it's not, it's not just that anymore for the 2020 version. Yeah, and, 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 and maybe again, for to help, this will help contextualize when, how when your translation gets going, but for what are, what are some of the other kind of, give us some tidbits of like from the original English 20, 2020 letter, like some of the tone or some of the, some of the sort of the way it, it uh, approached this issue. Right. So this letter was intended to be voiced from the perspective of the kids' generation, however old they are, that would be engaging in conversation with their family about Black Lives Matter. And then it's supposed to be interactive. So the organizers actually says in the notes, don't preach. Right. In the tone. Do not preach. Oh, so it gives notes sort of. It gives yeah. notes from the organizers. Yeah. It says don't preach. Keep it short you know, don't be confrontational. We're not mm -hmm. starting a fight with this text. We're trying to start a conversation. So maintain the conversational flow and kind of like, you know, simmer down because a lot of us were coming into to the translation process, like coming in hot, quite honestly, you know, because some of our friends are not safe, right? Our loved ones are not safe. Our partners aren't safe. Um, and so they were very mindful to kind of keep our emotions in check as we translate this, right? No, don't get on a soapbox. It's not supposed to be a soapbox. It's supposed to be a conversation. One of the things I, I think is interesting if you compare what you said about Thai and um, the original and then the Spanish one is like um, in the English and in the Thai, they say mom, dad, auntie, uncle, whatever. And in Spanish, just say dearest family. Mm. Which I think it's interesting because that, like, you know, I, I don't know. Well, what do you think I, about I, that? I wonder what the process of that is, right? right? So, like, for our process, who we're addressing, um, the English version names actual family members, whereas, like, the Spanish, it just says, querida familia, uh -huh. dearest family. And we actually discussed that. Yeah, what did, what did, the, t what did the Thai translate? So, the Thai decide? says, mom, dad and beloved and respected family, mm -hmm. right? So in a way, it's kind of like querida familia, but it's also mom, dad. It's a little yeah. bit more intimate, and it for exactly. sure doesn't include us. 
Exactly. Right. Yeah. It doesn't include us. Exactly. That's so there, there's a generational assumption and and a and a and a uh, positional one. Like maybe that that's something that may be new to our listeners who don't know. Tie or um, uh, ah yes, yeah, yeah about about um, it, it, there's a, there's a positionality that's implicit on what just terms you use. Right. So here's a sh- very use. short crash course on the complexity mm-hmm. of Thai pronouns. And uh, for those who've seen my work before, yes, I'm the pronoun lady. This is what I do. And so Thai pronouns are really useful in that they create, maintain, and destroy emotional intimacy. Not in, in, in ways that English you or he or they can't do just semantically, right? You can do it in English with your tone of voice. You can say you, and okay. that's, a, that's mm-hmm. a confrontational attacking. But in Thai, there's a you that will 100% start a fight if you don't <laughs> know somebody, which is so useful. It's very yeah. efficient, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? But also it... it maintains don't, don't teach me that one <laughs> don't te- yeah that's not i'm not p- putting that out there in the interweb um but it, but it's also on the interweb if okay. you want to look it up <laughs> thai pronouns also um help to maintain create or destroy social hierarchy right so we're looking at kind of horizontal distance between mm-hmm. you and the your audience or fellow speaker and how close are we? How how well do we know each other? But then also, and then that's in, you know, kind of an intimacy issue, right? That's so that's a horizontal distance. Yeah. The vertical distance is where are we in relation to each other in terms of social status, mm-hmm. right? So people play around with the pronouns as needed. So, you know, my students would call me Ajan professor but if at certain point they graduate and they become my colleagues they might call me older sister p mm-hmm. right some of them feel very weird about this and they'll never do it but i always refer myself as p to show them to treat them like a colleague right, right. so so my way of respecting them is actually to use kinship terms where we are more closely intimate mm-hmm. horizontally and vertically aligned um, and for them to show me respect is for them to create, push away from that intimacy a little bit so that it doesn't seem like they're being disrespectful. So in context of this translation, right, the, the English letter is so straightforward. It just says, we need to talk, mm-hmm. right? What, right? What does that mean? Um, and, and we need to talk generally is is interpreted as reciprocal as a you and I will we will talk is a group activity right information will be exchanged back and forth multi-directionally um, but that's hard in the translation because we assume that our parents and elders were not going to you know knock on our door and uh, hey you want to talk about black lives matter <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't, so we, we didn't anticipate this conversation to be like reciprocal so we instead of saying we need to talk we decided to refer to ourselves as the kids and no matter how old you are you're the kids mm-hmm. right and eric can probably uh, affirm that that your kids can be like 70 and you're like well and yep. i'm gonna be 90 and it is what it is <laughs> right. right and so we just refer to ourselves as kids and said, we, we kids have something to tell you. So even that first line of the translation changing from we need to talk 
into ลูกลูกมีอะไรอยากจะบอก we have the kids we have something to tell you so we it's like a is that it also is that a, like a, a strategic political move to say to do that because it it says you know it's like a, a, a it's a deference tone uh, oh I'm the kids and I bet bet like so you can't get mad at what I'm going to say or I mean I guess are there other mm. things at play like an interesting kind of like Um, you know, I'm. Uh, um, it it, it uh, if you as where if you said like you know as a as a fellow adult like you need to listen. Um, it might it might create right. confrontation from the start. I suppose. Hey, these are kids just telling you. Some yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very deferential on purpose. Yeah. Um, we did mm-hmm. have some other iteration of it where it was like, hey, listen, right? But like, we <laughs> can't come. You can't come to your elders like, hey, listen, you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff's going on out there. Might um, that have killed the message <laughs> before it even got it's out? It's the first line, right? Yeah. You yeah. want to make sure you get a buy-in from the beginning, right? right? Um, so yeah, definitely. And, and and to be fair, the whole document is politically motivated. And, and also, right? this is a respectful young person, you know, mm-hmm. not like waving a middle finger at me yeah. like this. So like, you get more, you catch more flies. Yeah, it I has it exactly. It has definitely kind of the same level of deference and tone as if you were to tell your parents like, oh, I, hey, um, by the way, I want to change my college major. <laughs> right, like it's very like yeah. you know you're, you're go- front loading. Yeah, you you know you're kind of maybe going into a minefield. I'm, I'm pre med and I want to do anthropology. Um. Right, like <laughs> so you know how I was gonna do this. Um, I I you know I definitely relate to that <laughs> as a linguist. That was not on the cards. That was not um, a family chosen field for sure. Yeah, mine either. Well, and and the Spanish one it says we have to talk. Yeah. Right. Then was hablar. But then it goes to you, mm. like it it is not consistent. So I thought interesting when you uh, in your talk when you said about the connotations and the difficulty of pronouns. Some of them said, "Well, if we use so so many pronouns, then people might feel lost." But other people were say, "I mean, we need to use those pronouns, right?" So I think it's uh, it's interesting, and even in a in a language like Spanish, which is more straightforward than Thai, they also have these these issues. Yeah, and and the tone, like in the Spanish um, translation, they use the t u t i a r s e like they use the tu form, which is very intimate and like same level. It's not like very deferential, uh-huh. right? Whereas we went full deferential. We use tan for you, which is. Um, very formal, like you would use ton with when you're addressing, um, like the when you're introducing, you know, the CEO of your company, someone who's very oh. emotionally and socially distant oh. from you. So, like, oh. never in a million years would we use like do form, wow, right, yeah. in the verb, and it's so so different. And and yeah. I wish I had more languages that I know, so I can go and look at the translations. But I'm limited to three, so. <laughs> No, and also like I'm, I'm seeing here the Spanish translation, and there are the names of the people who translated it. Mm-hmm. Is the same for Thai? Yes. So we are listed. The ones who chose to be listed are listed. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone chose to be listed. So. Right. I get, I, and maybe in the Spanish version, the lack of um, this is, is what you get when a a group is translate right. You might not get. Consistency in the way you would get if a single authored right translation. Well, we I mean with the and I touch on this a little bit in the talk, right? So what happens when there are like a bunch of us? And mm-hmm. if anyone's ever done group work, 
you know it's a struggle, right, in all the terrible ways that group work is. Um, and that definitely happened in the translation. But early on, we knew that. And again, if you're volunteering to do this type of work, you're already that kid who did all the work in group mm-hmm. work, you know? So exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's already, like, it's already like an all-star team coming oh, in, yes. you know, um, <laughs> made the dioramas and everything. But, but we divided the work up like pretty what we think was equitable because we're all busy. We all had lives, but we also all okay. felt that this was really important. So um, my responsibilities, for example, was just translating like X number of paragraphs. Mm. And then I also um, edited or proofread a lot of it because they felt like I was more um, professionally qualified as a professor of the Thai language, right? Mm-hmm. So there's just and certain things. Probably literally were, and by right. some measures, yeah. By some mm-hmm. measures. Like, yeah. I literally went oh. to school for this, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> finally putting that Thai d- linguistics degree <laughs> to use. And um, so I did kind of a front pass, um, first pass edit to some of it. But again, because I'm thoroughly entrenched in being bilingual, and I am English dominant as a Thai language user, especially when I'm in the U.S., I knew there were things I was going to miss. And so I sent the Thai version that we did, and this is either second or third draft, to Thai colleagues in Thailand who are social activists, who do a lot of translation of these types of documents in Thailand, Mm. right? Uh Because I wanted them to to see, okay, are we getting the tone right? If we're ad- Because they, they produce a lot of kind of persuasive texts about human rights and, mm-hmm. and social equity. Well, and also thinking ahead when this is useful in Thailand. Right, right. Once we kind of recognize that yeah. this might get read in Thailand, you know, we want the terminology to be consistent, right? Are there new terms that are being coined to deal with this type of injustices mm-hmm. and social inequity that mm-hmm. I'm not aware of because I'm not you know, in the front line of, of social activism in Thailand. So they did, two of them went through it and, and did an edit and made some suggestions. Um, and we followed some of them and we didn't follow some of them because, again, the audience is a, a little bit different um, and our positionality, right, was mm-hmm. a little bit different. They're t- uh, Thailand-based ethnic Thai Mm -hmm. advocating for ethnic minorities in Thailand as opposed to Thai Americans. Um, And and oftentimes they were members of the community that they're advocating from. So that's a little bit different as well for the tone. But it was very helpful because there were were things that I I missed, you know, Mm -hmm. as someone who lives in the in the diaspora. I I would like to ask you about the translation assignment about like did you have a deadline? Did you guys like have any like kind of guidelines to do it, or how 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 was the whole thing? Yeah, just like the the nuts and bolts of exactly. it, right? <laughs> um, we were we did all of this in a month. Oh, right, eight of us, which is right as a translator, you're like, ooh, that's wow. a lot. Um, but it was supposed to be a quick turnaround. We didn't want it to sit around, and these deadlines come from the organizers themselves. So they had a um, multi-stage rollout. And we were pretty adamant that we wanted it to be as par- a part of the first stage of rollout. So, you know, um, beginning of, of July was the first kind of release, and they were mm-hmm. going to do a big press release and interviews and all of that. And we wanted to be part of that first wave because we think it's going to be more impactful. 
And then other languages, as it became ready, then it was, you know, second stage rollout, third stage, and, and so on. So we, we chose to have a shorter timeline. Mm-hmm. And the organizers were really good about, like, emailing us and putting comments in Google Docs. Like, hey, guys, wherever you are, like, next week is third draft, right? Mm-hmm. Or, right. like, or sec- like second draft discussion should be done in, like, two days. And so they were really st- structured. I wish I had that. Um, like an editor that does that for me when I'm hired to do That'd translating, <laughs> right? Yes. Just be like, hey, by the way, you know, move on already mm-hmm. because you do dwell. You can, and you can do dwell on certain topics. Like I said in the talk, the pronouns was like five mm. days of just discussion for the first three lines, you well, know? I, I put a lot of pressure in my classes as well. Hey, mm. for next week, you have the first draft. For next week, you have the second draft. Right. Because otherwise, it, 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 it just doesn't happen. You know, you keep thinking and thinking of, like, the options and everything. And and everything is so interesting <laughs> that right. you don't move on. And, and if you're a conscientious translator where you want to um, maintain a high level of fidelity Mm-hmm. In terms of the language form, in terms of the text, in terms of the tone, the discourse, the audience, you can be dwelling forever. It's like a philosophical uh, issue, <laughs> you know, and at a certain point, you oh, just yeah. have to decide. So the organizers helped us with, with that deciding process. And I showed that in the talk. It was seven steps. And it was supposed to be like, okay, do this and then go back and discuss it Mm -hmm. and then revise it and then come back and discuss that draft. The other thing I think it's very interesting is that there was no no translation manager, right? Everyone like project manager or something like that. Mm -hmm. Everyone was like peers. Everyone was the same, right? I think that that, that's important too. Yeah. Well, we we did have a team leader who was like the liaison between the organizers Mm -hmm. and and our team. And... The one who was like, oh, hey, by the way. So there was kind of a manager, uh-huh. and he was a volunteer entirely, too. And that was a tremendous amount of work wow. um, for him. But he he did, a, he did a great job, and he did the same thing for the 2016 translation. So he's actually a Thai-American um, actor, and he said, I could mention him by name, so I will. Shout out to Quincy. Um, <laughs> he is a, a Thai-American actor, and you may have heard his voice on the Disney Channel. And, oh. and so he does a lot of voice work <laughs> and, and translation work in, in his uh, professional life. In, in t- I'm just thinking about how intentional the, you know, the, the letter is itself and thoughtful, and then, and then also this the kind of the rollout in, in, in many languages. If you think about it, was there, um, you know, I, I separately um, after the sort of the, uh, in the Black Lives Matter movement, reading about uh, sort of Asian American um, kind of react- generational reaction, sort of saying that, you know, that their, their parents were, um, one, one guy interviews his, his parents were the kind of people who may have like in, in the LA riots, uh, may have like sort of boarded up the Korean grocery store mm. and 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 mm. ha- like th- there w- there was a there was a predisposition in his mind for worry about like the generational kind of uh, I, I mean racism um, mm-hmm. we can call it that uh, vis a vis for 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 a lot of complicated reasons um, but it, it was there was there uh, it just struck me in terms of the kind of you know hey the kids talking to the parents was there a thought about the some of the previous um, uh, racial interactions, good and bad, mm. between Asian-American and African-American communities in the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was the origin story, you know, of the letter is the, the presupposition is that there's a lot of anti-blackness in the Asian-American community. And historically, you know, that has roots in 
in the U.S. government using Asian Americans right. as the model minority, right? In contrast to the bad ones, quote unquote, which were the blacks and the Latinos. And that really started being a full thing late 70s, early 80s. And so there is that mentality in the, a lot of Asian communities that, oh, well, we're better than, quote unquote, mm -hmm. the rest of them because we're hardworking, we're smart, we're good at math and whatever type of stereotypes you want to tap into, you know, and, and growing up, that's definitely, um, once I got racialized as Asian, which I didn't know I was till I came to the mm. US, <laughs> that's not a thing in Asia, like I'm just Thai, right? Um, but once I started- You were more of a follower of Janet Jackson, that's <laughs> your main, main devotional. Uh. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, it, it was a, a confusing time because I came to the US and I went to a predominantly black elementary school straight so i always say like it's like straight from bangkok to bet you know with with my background. in wisconsin right or in wisconsin wow. because the because the redlining uh zoning practices was so bad in madison wisconsin that it resulted in these enclaves of of black people right in the southern part of town so we were getting non-black students mostly, mostly black, black yeah, yeah. Um, and so we were getting bussed into this predominantly uh -huh. black elementary school, Lincoln Elementary School. Shout out to the principal, Miss Sims. Um, and mm -hmm. so I didn't I was I was getting racialized because everyone was getting racialized <laughs> at school and the curriculum talked about that. Right. And so I didn't know America at all. I just came um, and my principal was black. My assistant principal was black. A lot of the teachers were black. We celebrated Kwanzaa as the whole school. You know, and I, I just didn't know what the rest of Wisconsin was like because that was my <laughs> surprise. That wasn't it, <laughs> you know. And um, so I got a really early lesson on like, yeah, because they always contrasted themselves, right? There's us and then there's like you mm -hmm. who's not black, but also not white. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's I think you it mean definitely. You're, you're African-American peers mm -hmm. or, or the, okay. Mm -hmm. And it definitely, yeah. um, it definitely, it definitely for me as an as a translator you know mm -hmm. in this in this project and i think um one of the online yeah. questions for the talk today was do you think paid translators are also buys like absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not at all <laughs> speaking <laughs> as you know paid, absolutely everyone's biased everyone right regardless yeah. right. of what they saying do. you don't have a bias is a bias <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Just speaking about that, huh? <laughs> yeah, and and that was a you know a great question, of course. But we, you know, as as paid translators, we can choose, yeah. right? What we can associate our name to, so we can perform a, a certain identity, right? Mm -hmm. You can be a literary translator, you can be a political translator, you can be an academic translator, mm -hmm. and present yourself in that way, mm -hmm. and that's a different positionality. Um, and of course, when you volunteer for something, you are already from the beginning aligning yourself oh, yeah. with that text. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and sometimes we had to say no, we decline as translators because we think that we are too attached to mm -hmm. the topic, for example. Or I don't want my name associated with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Of yeah, course, we never say pressure. that publicly. Obviously, uh -huh. we're like, "Oh, I'm not able to do this project at this time." You know. No, but I say it in class because I think it's important that that students like can choose. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that probably at the beginning, but right. But if it's something that they make them like feel very strong, uh, like for or against, 
I think it's better to just say no and yeah. just, you know, sleep better at night. And, and <laughs> it's harder, right, um, to go into that project if you're feeling very strongly uh-huh. one way or the other oh, yes. because it affects the whole process, right? Um, and, and I've, during grad school years, I said yes to everything because oh, I was yeah, poor, uh, <laughs> right? Didn't we all? Yeah. And we just, well, you're a translator too, so Eric. <laughs> but very untrained. I was just thinking, like, I, you know, in, in grad school, desperate for my, probably the most money I've made in a year, by the way, is the, the work <laughs> as a translator for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. But these, like, Afrikaans stuff would come in, and then every day there were sort of court transcripts from, from Walter Bassan, who's like the evil doctor genius uh, killer who, who, like, murdered SWAPO and ANC members, and, like, feeling so, like, mm. like angry about him as a person and then trying to, like, to do these indictments. Like, I felt like... I, I, I didn't I didn't know anything about translation theory or positionality or hadn't mm-hmm. really I was just like trying to like you know with my dictionary trying to like be cor- be correct and um, uh, I think it really it's probably a bad well not a, an interesting translation because like <laughs> like I was really wanting to throw stones at the same time at this guy who was yeah such an evil like such a you know, like a doctor evil level kind of you know bad person like right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and and as a non-interpreter, I just translate. I don't interpret, so I, I don't find myself in those situations a lot. But, you know, my, my best friend is a simultaneous interpreter. And oh, boy. For mm. Russian. Oh, and, and one, you Not know. Not fraud at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of, one of her uh, assignments was uh, doing a simultaneous interpretation for the representative of Chechnya. Ooh. Oh my gosh! And you know, she was like, "Well, one wrong word, we could have a war, but no pressure." Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think as translators, we don't have that high of a stake because it's edited, because it's sent to an editor, mm-hmm. because right. it's sent through a publisher. You can um, second guess and right, yeah. and and you know, with the, with this project, we held each other accountable, right? So at at different points of the translation process, each one of us came in a little hot, you know, about certain <laughs> issue mm-hmm. or would dig our heels in. But again, with the dynamics of, of group translation, somebody would be like, hey, like I see where, where you're coming from, but I think in the service of the text, let's tone it down. Th- mm-hmm. That's that's right. What I want to ask you about is that the, yeah, it was really fascinating the kind of, uh, because traditional translating and maybe s- sort of say what that is versus the social crowd group translation because it was really really interesting to see how those kind of two many-headed uh hydra versus Mm -hmm. yeah it was it was interesting yeah and and the thing that i didn't get to talk about in um in the talk was the idea of web 2.0 so i'll talk about that first here web 2.0 is what we're currently in now and that's in opposition or defined in opposition and this is a definition from um darcy denucci's she was very early, um, her essay called Fragmented Future, where she literally predicted what the internet was going to be back in 1998. Mm. And so Web 2.0 is distinct from Web 1.0 in that the content is predominantly user-generated, right? And not only that, it gets monetized. Right. More importantly, these user created content gets monetized by a third party and the usage of the Internet. Whereas if you are old enough uh, to know this out there is that it Mm -hmm. used to be like a library. You go on the Internet to find information. Mm -hmm. You did not interact 
with the internet. The internet was like a database of information. Yeah. Right. And in many ways it still is, mm-hmm. but web 2.0, it has, it's dynamic. It's constantly, the content is constantly changing. We're interacting with it and it's a medium for social interaction in a way that web 1.0 was not in the mid to late nineties. Mm-hmm. And because of the social interaction, user-created content, interactivity of 2.0, it kind of gave birth to these group social crowdsourced It allowed for this kind mm-hmm. of thing. It allowed for this kind of thing, right? Because now everything's on for everyone in the world to see. So how do we ensure accessibility, right? What if you're a fan of Japanese anime, but you don't know Japanese? Mm-hmm. How, how do you access that information? So you get these fan-based subtitles, Mm -hmm. fan-based translation. Actually, it started with fan-based animation for anime and manga. (laughs) Of course it did. And highly motivated, Mm -hmm. right? Highly motivated. And and that's one of the key distinctions between traditional translation, which is kind of a top-down. We get hired. We get commissioned. We get contracted to do translation from money. Right, so we know who wants the translation, who's going to do the translation, who is it for. Very clear, and right. oftentimes those roles don't overlap. Mm-hmm. As translators, we're generally not reading the thing we're translating because that's not we already did that as part of the process, but we're not consuming it, mm-hmm. right? And and there's a level of professionalism and expertise that comes with traditional translation. They're not going to pay you or hire you if your CV doesn't show or your linguistic ability mm-hmm. isn't right. where it's at, right? Whereas these fan base or crowd or social translations, anyone can do it as long as they think they can, right? So there's kind of... Um, a different level of expectations in terms of quality and the role. Mm-hmm. I mean, people; these people are creating translations for themselves to consume. And so the audience and the producer, amateur, professional, it's all blurred. And that makes a, a big difference in how the, the product um, comes to be. Exactly, but it allows everyone to be part of it, right? Um, this collective intelligence that Jenkins was saying in 2006. Um, mm-hmm. Like, everyone can be part of something that, you know, you just watched the movie, you liked it, you didn't like it. What do you think about it? And you are going to fi- find, like, a lot and a lot of people who align with your position or not. Right. But it's it's a nice discussion. But also it it brought, you know, piracy and all these kind of things, exactly. right? And all these, like, <laughs> How are these fans uh-huh. getting things to subtitle? Exactly. And this copyright stuff that it's blurrier and blurrier every day. Exactly. D- were the, um, in the, in the Thai project, um, were the, were the authors that sort of the, of the, who were behind the larger translation process, were they, were they interested in um, directing, um, you know, because you guys made editorial choices, maybe mm-hmm. you can talk about a few of those about um, nuances, or you know, the historian would say kind of footnotes about like this is that this is that act that was referred to, or this you know the, the mm. giving giving context. Were they did they have um, strong feelings about where it should and shouldn't go, or do they say like you guys know best, like figure out how to pitch it to your relative Thai American communities? Yeah, that's actually in the organizers' notes is that do what you think is appropriate or necessary Mm -hmm. for your audience because there was a a recognition or acceptance of the heterogeneity of 
the process and the target audience, right? The Cambodian American community is not going to need the same thing as the Nepali uh, American community. Right. And so they gave us a lot of leeway and freedom to do whatever it is we need to do in service of the text. So everything was always, is it doing the, is it achieving the goals of the text, right? Are we maintaining the tone and the purpose of the text? And so we always had to kind of ask ourselves, and they can't check for us. They don't read Thai, <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean? Like, Wait, that looks a little longer than yeah. our, than the like, yeah, yeah. I, what, what did you add there? They, they absolutely, the organizers absolutely could Good not point. check for <laughs> us. Uh-huh. We had to do that ourselves, but it was in the notes and, and part of Quincy's job was kind of keeping that in mind. Like, hey, I think we're, mm-hmm. is this still in service of the text? Right, and sometimes sure. we do forget because you do get like into the details, mm-hmm. um, and and one of those things that you um, I mentioned in the talk was that a sentence you know was was very straightforward. It says you know blacks facilitated or helped right end segregation, racial segregation. If we we don't even have the word for racial segregation in Thai, right? Because that wasn't historically a thing mm-hmm. that we did, and so having to like how how do we say that sentence it's one sentence it's so straightforward and simple but we didn't we didn't have words for that mm-hmm. in thai um especially not at that level of like structural implication right like racial segregation is like a structural political Permanent. practice yeah. mm-hmm. that you know like afrikaans obviously had a word mm-hmm. for that they have some of those so many words uh, but but we didn't we uh-huh. never did that in thailand um so we had to expand that sentence, right? And talked about how, what racial segregation was. And we actually didn't say segregation. We said um, discrimination based on skin color. Mm-hmm. Because that's about as close as we could get without doing like a whole opus on, you know, right. political history of the U.S. Um, and we also added information about the Heart Seller Act, which ended racial quota for immigration into the U.S. Because without that happening, without black political leaders fighting for that, we would not have been allowed to come. There, w- there would be no conversation. There'd be mm-hmm. like no Thai people here at the at the volume that we're at right here. Um, and and my yeah. I mean my role in in that particular paragraph was making sure that we really tap into the Thai cultural practice of recognizing gratitude and indebtedness, right? That we owe um, our black friends, whether or not you know them personally, mm-hmm. as a whole, we owe this whole group of people our existence in this country or our ability to come into this country, right? Without the work of those uh, black pioneers, that law would not have passed. Would that be a difference in the, sort of the cultural turn in translation as opposed to just getting the literal words right? Right, yeah, because we... That sentence means nothing if you don't know the historical context, right? And a lot of a lot of uh, Thai people don't know that there was sure. legal discrimination, racial discrimination in immigration. And that laws. you should have gratitude. In uh, Thai cultural con- context, there would mm-hmm. be an expected gratitude for that favor Ex- or that. Exactly, exactly, right. And um, most of our population came as a result of the passing of the Heart Seller Act. So mm-hmm. we. As oh. a as a yeah. community, it's not a part of our discourse that we weren't allowed to come in because we came in when we could, 
mm-hmm. right? And so that was a, a discussion that, and I was really passionate about, like, we need to give some context as to what that means and how that affects us. Because usually the the comments, and I didn't get to talk about this um, in my talk, is that there once this story came out, right, to different Thai news outlet. Of course, um, internet comments are being what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> lots of comments. No you know? trolls at all, I'm sure. No, yeah, Thailand is a trollless place. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of comments were like, why does it matter to you? That's not your country. These aren't your people, mm. right? Like, who cares? I mean, in, in other words, like, not my pig, not my farm. Like, what's the problem, right? Why are you going out? Why even do this at all? It's between the black people and the white people. We're not part of this mm-hmm. discussion. We are not part of this fight. It's not our fight. And that's like exactly why we need the letter, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it is, it is our fight because their fight allows us to do certain things. So um, I was thinking about like the translation assignment. I would like to know how did they approach you guys, or if it was uh, if the um, some of the translators of the twenty sixteen letter were the same, they were different. Why did they change? I would like to know about like the genesis of this. Mm, yeah, so two thousand sixteen, it was it's both in two thousand sixteen and two thousand twenty. It's an open call. As mm. insofar as you're subscribing to the same Instagram account and the RSS feed and wherever else. Mm-hmm. So that was an open call. Um, and that's how I first got involved in the 2016 letter. Now, I was trying to get tenure, so I was very mm. busy. And I just <laughs> started a, to do. <laughs> I was I just started a new job. So I got in and I quickly saw the level of commitment um, that is needed to get something like this done. And I was like, you guys, I can't do it. It's, mm-hmm. it's too much. Um, but I'm, I was happy to read over anything, but they were very respectful of my time. So I didn't get involved in the 2016 translation. So now when they had another open call for 2020, mm-hmm. I was already in the loop and I was still like, you know what? I'm getting to that age where I'm, I might be the person they're writing the letter to. <laughs> <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Dear <laughs> auntie. <laughs> That's me, you know? And, and so I, I didn't at first sign up for it because I thought, well, this is for like the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the kids who are out there protesting the streets and, mm-hmm. and doing all that kind of frontline stuff. And I'm like the auntie and like mm-hmm. beloved family members, right? That they might want to talk to. So I didn't get involved in it. But then um, Quincy, the team leader, he messaged me and he said, hey, um, if you could drop by and just mm. see what we're doing, if we're on the right path. Because at this point, it was all Thai Americans, heritage speakers of Thai. And they were feeling a lot of linguistic mm-hmm. insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least that the, that's the impression that uh, I got from my conversation with him. And so I dropped in and I was like, ooh, so interesting. You mm. know, <laughs> I want to camp out here for a little bit and see what's so going on. So you saw, on. like, so there, there, you, know, you mentioned this a bit, where Thai-ness and Thai-Americanness is sort of being performed in this, mm. like, and, and, and maybe in the, in, the, in, the, in the responses, both domestically and in and in Thailand or, or and globally, like what any good nuggets of uh, good uh, uh, stories about like wh- um, how it how it landed? Yeah, absolutely. So once once I got there, I introduced myself in Slack and I said, "Hey, 
I'm like this old lady who teaches mm. Thai. Like, is that cool <laughs> that I'm here? Because I didn't want them to be like, who's this? You had your hat on sideways, <laughs> had a skateboard. Uh-huh. Hey, hey, kids. Hey, like, kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I, didn't, I, I exactly didn't want to do that. I exactly didn't want to do that. But I, I did I did tell them that, you know, I, I went to school for this stuff. So if they yeah. have technical issues or um, if I see something that pops up that I'm like, hey, maybe we're not discussing that, I'll bring it up. And But most of the time I just kind of let things play out, um, especially during the pronoun stuff because, again, the age difference, right? To be mm. fair, there was one other person who's older than me. Um, <laughs> shout out! Shout out to P. Smith, who also agrees to be mentioned. Um, so he's older than me, but everybody else were like younger than us significantly, you know. And um, and I didn't want them to defer to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't want them to be like, oh, whatever you say, because you're older. I'm like, and of course, like that didn't happen. That was like very egotistical of me as an auntie. But, to but think in some that. ways, you're you, you're really useful because you have an ear. You're in between those generations, really, so you can kind of have some anticipations like this is how this might be heard mm. um that 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 a 18 year old might not have you know immediately yeah right? yeah yeah like, so i mean i was in this kind of liminal space yeah. where mm-hmm. i can switch back and forth um again that that's like a whole paper in itself very navel gazing mm. but still um you know it it was interesting and and the pronoun itself the discussion at some point i just corner them and say hey what is it we're trying to do are we trying to be thai americans or are we trying to be thai mm-hmm. and so i created that difference which wasn't it was coming through in the discussion but nobody was like only a subtext or yeah, yeah nobody was like putting it in that way so once i put that out then a ton of responses came out and was like thai american all the way you know um mm-hmm. and for for various reasons and um I mentioned in my talk my, my favorite person <laughs> from my from the translation team. You know, he was very adamant about it being Thai American and sounding Thai American, and he actually went back and like eliminated things in the translation that sounded too Thai, oh. um, <laughs> because he didn't want it to sound too Thai, right? And and I didn't know that that was possible, mm. right? As as a a, a one point five Gen person, I didn't know it was like possible to be too Thai like what does that even mean you know but mm. it means something yeah. to to the Thai American authors um and then we had a, a Thai person from from Thailand who al- also made comments like hey this is coming off like abrasive or like hey in Thai we like say it like this or something and then of course his we is different than their we mm. right yeah, yeah. In, in those comments um, and uh, this, my favorite translator, he just went in like, "Why can't we just use? Let's just use a bunch of wrong words, just to <gasps> assert to assert oh our tininess, you know." And as language, as a language educator, yeah. I'm just like, "Of course." I, I had to really <laughs> not reply right away, you know, yeah. and and then um, and I kept asking clarify, kind of, uh, clarifying questions about you know <laughs> decisions we were making, and he was like, "Just to reiterate, the inconsistencies is perfect," and I was like. Okay, but but that's interesting, right? For me, as as right. a translation specialist, like that's a very strong stance um, for this translator to have. And how do we, how do we serve that, right? Mm-hmm. As a group, right? Yeah. This this position of strongly being different from Thais in Thailand, being different from first gen Thai immigrants, like are we doing that in the text? And I didn't mm-hmm. know that's what we were doing. Until uh-huh. the conversation, um, because you developed. were the kids, right? Right. 
so like they are they're allowed to like use different pronouns i guess mm -hmm. Th there's allowance right for i think it's true with any heritage language uh group mm -hmm. is that there's an allowance and there's a recognition that they are different from native speakers oh yes but whether good or bad mm -hmm. right um yeah. whether you're going to put valuation on it it's just different and i worked so hard as myself a heritage user of thai to not sound heritage mm -hmm. right i worked so hard to fight against it in order to like perform my thainess mm -hmm. that i forget that that others out there are okay with that it actually reminds me of spanglish exactly which is like the same right there are authors like junot diaz mm -hmm. who actually celebrate their you know their in betweenness and this in betweenness And then you, as a language educator, you need to be like <laughs> a little bit like more like you know like conservative, conservative, right? Yeah. And then you have these questions of like, do I need to say something if they say something like that? Do mm -hmm. I need to correct them or not? So like that that made me think about this too. Yeah, absolutely. I was definitely the certain parts of the conversation. I was like, I am a language educator in this uh -huh. point, and I got to the point where I'm just like. Okay, I'm just gonna lay out the grammatical like definition of what this is. Mm -hmm. Take it or leave it, you mm -hmm. know. Right. And and I just followed whatever they chose, you know, because I'm. You could get there was a voting process, right? Yeah. You had yeah. So everything was voted on. Every draft we could comment on it, um, and you can begrudgingly accept or adamantly reject. Okay. <laughs> But again, it's it's you know yeah. a democratic process, right? So there are eight of us, and if six of us liked it and two of us were like boo, uh -huh. then it's gonna go forward, and and everybody agreed that that's just the way it is because it's group. And another question I have is like the com these conversations were they all in English? Were they in Thai and English? They were mixed. They yeah. were m all in English with very few instances of code switching. Like that's mm. a separate paper in itself oh, yes. of the code yeah. switching. We're waiting for yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> 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 so, so the the code switching in the discussion, mm -hmm. right? And you saw some of that in the examples that I used in the talk and the slides. Is that there were there were some terms that we were just gonna have to use Thai for because there's no mm -hmm. like. It, We, it's just more effective, um, you know, the same principle for any code switching. But it was all in it was all in English because huh. that was the dominant language for the majority of the group. Huh. That means But that I did when mm -hmm. when there were comments coming from people um, who were Thai dominant. No, we didn't have a yeah, we'd have one Thai dominant person and then mm -hmm. um, one person from Thailand. I did reply to them in Thai, but I was the only one who did. Oh, yeah. There goes my stance. <laughs> <laughs> Now the language educator. Yeah, jumps. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so maybe maybe a final question is: uh, Can how do you think or how, how was it and and what do you think um, the the how how would be received in Thailand? How was it received? Does it is there a space for kind of this discourse about global Thainess in in Thailand? Is this part of that conversation? What, where do you, What do you see the the life of this in Thailand? The where where are they now? Kind yeah, of super yeah. cut. <laughs> um, there was news coverage of the protests and of the letter, but they were covered mostly in kind of left leaning newspapers. Mm. So people were okay. kind of like a grain of salt. They're also the same news outlet that you could see conservatives saying like, "Yes, we're Thai. We're better. We're we're you know we're we're more conscious and kind to you know than than those Americans." Um, I think yet, that right? would Or open like the door to other sort <laughs> other of comments <laughs> that I don't think the conservative papers were 
trying to do. Mm. But it did it did appear in in more left leaning um, papers, okay. and then it also got covered by the Voice of America Thai edition, which is produced by Americans. Right, the, if you mm-hmm. want to look up the, the history of how Voice of America came to be, <laughs> that will tell you political stance. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that will tell you the political stance of of what that is. But the the coverage in Voice of America was pretty much like. Why do we care, right? Like, why should Thai people mm. care about Black Lives Matter? So they were already mm. biased, uh-huh. right, in in their coverage, and um, or not not we. They didn't say we. Like, why do these Thai people care, mm. right? So it What's was going a, on with worse. That? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it, 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 it was too. You can read it multiple ways, uh-huh. and that's interesting in of itself. But it was a two-part story. One covered like the protests, like who's been going to the protests, why, like who's been active, right, in the BLM movement. And then the second one was just this letter, the production of this letter. And the group pretty much was like pushed me to the front and was like, "You talk, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you have technical terms to like describe what we're doing here." <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and also the fact that the interview was going to be entirely in Thai. Mm. That kind of gave some of them pause, um, but I, I was like, "Hey, I, I don't need this. Is not my letter, right?" And and so I kind of went back and forth, not wanting to to speak um, on behalf of the group, which is ironic because now <laughs> this whole project <laughs> that I'm doing, you know. <laughs> but um, I also tapped uh, a colleague of mine and a good friend, uh, Mark Padung Pat, who is another Thai American scholar to talk about the historical context of Black Lives Matter because he has training in ethnic studies, cultural studies, mm-hmm. and that's not my area of expertise. And so I said, I'll speak on the language part um, and you can speak on on the historical context of, of BLM and how it came to be. And he chose to do his interview in English. And I was like, what? That was an mm. option? <laughs> the heck? You know, then, I, then anybody could have done it, right? Had I known. Um, so I'm... I'm and then this project kind of got got named after that that piece of from uh, Voice of America Thai edition mm. is between the lines, and um, then we actually had a, a reading of the letter. So that was the oh. the last part of the mm. rollout. So you have the letter, and then you have a reading. Um, so for people who didn't want to read, you can just like you know accidentally pull up this video on YouTube uh, while you're at home or whatever with your family. Yeah. You know? Hit play and run away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like sneak it into their That's playlist funny. or whatever. Um, but but they then asked me if I wanted to do the reading. I said no, absolutely not. One, I sound like an old lady. This is not the voice you mm-hmm. want. Um, and, and that's even more true because my pronunciation is very conservative. So I sound about 20 years older than I am <laughs> because of, of having learned it in uh-huh. the diaspora, right? And so um, we just we got somebody else um, to read it. Well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Laura and, uh, and Kanjana. This has been really fun. Yeah, thank you yeah. for joining me, Laura. Oh, no, thank <laughs> you for letting me speak with you. I just have to talk <laughs> nerd, you know? I have to <laughs> find a fellow translation nerd to have this and conversation. Oh, check back in so with us with further updates on how it's going. <laughs> yes. And, uh, okay, thanks again, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Southeast Asia Crossroads. We would like to give thanks to Tantracoon for the use of his track, Electric Can, and a thanks to our audio producer, Amelia McCoy. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you tune in next time.